Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 213. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me again this week is your friend and mine, the smartest man alive, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? Holy cow! <laughs> These uh, these I'm introductions. Still I'm still stunned by the 213 number, you know? Yeah, that's amazing, too. My goodness. How have we done 213 of these? Ugh. And, we, and we did find out, I, I, I have to tell, I went to the uh, to, to Chris and Chad's book signing that was here close to my house. Um, I had to make sure that they had their passports stamped. <laughs> right. Um, but I did find out there are a whole bunch of people that at least listen to these things. It, it was it was amazing, wasn't it? It was really uh, surprising. It, it really was. And then you said you had a big crowd at the one down in Cincinnati, too. Yeah, we had one of the Joseph Beth uh, booksellers last week. Uh, we could go to that. Um, they're at uh, Rook, Rookwood. And uh, they before that one, they had, you know, we walked in, first of all. And this is my biggest fear. I almost uh, you know, started to shed tears when we got there. And they had all these chairs uh, sitting out there and a big podium. And I'm like, oh, no, they're going to throw a party for us and nobody's going to come. And it's just going to be embarrassing. But uh, somehow you guys filled the chairs up, and we had a discussion and a and a a lot of fun. And, and uh, several of you mentioned the podcast and listened to the podcast, and a lot of them asked me to talk about a, a certain person um, that I'm not going to mention this week on the podcast. I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not mentioning that. I don't, certain... pl- I don't play that game with you. That's the other guys. <laughs> All right, then, fine. You're going to be the one that's uh, missing out. So uh, anyway. You, you, you look at it that way. Okay. <laughs> But it was it was uh, it was gratifying and uh, and you know we see the uh, some some of the numbers every week and uh, but just to talk to some people that actually listen and actually enjoy uh, their, these ramblings it's still amazing to me that anyone would take the time out of their day to, to download and listen to us and so I do appreciate that and, and and I also because of that actually I went and checked and uh, on iTunes we're getting close to a hundred five star reviews on iTunes, which to me, that seems like a crazy number. And I'm really tired of having to write all those. That's right. I mean, I really appreciate that, <laughs> Bill. No, thanks to all but of just you. Give me, get, get, let everybody know, to make sure that everybody knows, they're also doing a books, another book signing at the Reds game, at the Reds Hall of Fame, and that is, is it the 29th or the 30th? It's the 30th. It's going to be Saturday, the 30th, before the Brewers game. We're going to be at the, Chris Garber and I, uh, you may have heard of this book. It's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Is Reds. it any good? Oh, it's the best book that's ever been written by <laughs> it's me. It's the best book ever. <laughs> the best book ever written by me. And uh, You know, you, I heard Churchill was the good author. <laughs> he would pale in comparison to if, if he had ever seen The Big 50. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's high praise indeed. Uh, so anyway, um, we're going to be at the Hall of, Reds Hall of Fame. June the 30th. It's going to start at 2. The Reds game is uh, at 4.10 at, at that day. And so for, it's going to be a couple hours right before the game, so you can come see us, uh, talk to us, and uh, get your book signed. And there will be books for sale there as well at the Hall of Fame. And uh, and I really you can even touch them for for an extra fee. You can you can touch them. No, no, that's that's just not true. <laughs> that's simply not true. But uh, but it, it was it was interesting in that first book signing, and then it happened to get to the second. How many of you came up to talk to me and say hi and say that you listened and uh, and and it did. It surprised me. Didn't didn't it surprise you, Bill? Just to sort of put some faces to people that are actually listening to this thing. 
it's it's always good to put faces to names and to people that have commented on the site for years and 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 and, and you know it's always good to cut up with guys that you know it's a little easier to cut up in person than it is you know when you're typing it up absolutely but I, I was there i was very impressed by the number of people that were there um and, and we got into of course you know and what was really kind of neat was we all got into a baseball discussion and it was it was it was a, a good a good time i was there for like an hour or an hour and a half of the the first signing and and uh then I had enough of Chad, and I had to leave. <laughs> That's about all anyone can take it in one dose. But, how your how your wife has blasted all these years is beyond me. Oh, I told someone earlier today she is going to qualify for sainthood soon. Um, She's on the express elevator to heaven with my wife. Absolutely, they're both headed there. Uh, they they've served their tour of duty down here, but uh, but you're right. I was I, I say that before every one of these book signings. I'm afraid no one's going to show up, and and you were there for a lot of them. And just, it was really a steady stream of people coming to talk and. I took some pictures of people and said some dumb things to people, and uh, uh, you know it's it's fun. So I'm looking forward to doing it you again. Yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that's what that's what everyone expects. So maybe Let's we talk should, about the Reds. Yeah, maybe we should talk about the Reds. The first thing I want to say is this, Bill. I want to get your thoughts on it, and I didn't uh, prep you beforehand that this question was coming, but I want your just gut reaction to this this sentence that I'm about to say. Over their last thirty-eight games, the Cincinnati Reds are twenty and eighteen. What do you think about that? I, I think it's very. You know, I think this team is not playing bad baseball, and 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 I'm not. And this isn't a surprise to anybody, but I think the the young pitching has been better, and that's going to be you know whether whether this team is decent or not. I mean, it's it's hard. They're never going to dig themselves out of the hole that they put themselves in in April. Um. But if you you know if you you just write that month off and look look at you know progression, I, I'm I'm pretty happy with the way they're playing. This team, uh, go ahead. There there are days that the stupid the stupid baseball is oh. the stuff that drives me crazy. And there's plenty of that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and I think you and I were texting at the time or something, when Tucker Barnhart got picked off a, or, or got thrown out at third base with no out, I could have choked him. <laughs> and and we love Tucker. He's been on the podcast. Oh, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. But I mean, it's just you can't have brain cramps like that. And there's just, it just seems like there's too many of those. There was I, I noticed the other night uh, they were up by uh, a couple of runs. Uh, it was the first night against the, the Tigers, I think. And and ninth inning, you get a little, you get two outs, and you get a little pop back between the, the third baseman and the pitcher, and neither one of them calls it; it gets knocked off of them. Yeah, goes to the ground. Guys on base. Next thing you know, a run scores. You, you can't do that kind of stuff. I mean, this is the big leagues, and that's the kind of stuff that really makes me crazy. It wears me out. You see some things you just don't see other teams doing uh, with any regularity against the Reds, anyway. And uh, and and I don't, you know I don't know what where you place the blame on that because I mean these are big league players. I know they're not the best team in the league, but they are still major leaguers. They really at this point should not be making as many of these mental mistakes and sort of little league type errors. And uh, it makes you wonder about the coaching in the minor league. Well, you know, I mean, again, I don't know a whole lot about how well the coaches uh, work in the minor leagues. You know, it's, it's, it's something that's really difficult for us on the outside to judge, but you know, there's a, there's a basketball coach here, a high school basketball coach around here who for years has just refused to uh, hire a competent uh, coach for the junior varsity team a competent coach for the you know the middle school team below that just you know hires whoever he can get and doesn't give him any direction and so by the time the players get to varsity he's having to teach them all the things that should have been taught before and so that's a really crude uh you know 
analogy, but it's job almost, security, though. I guess, but except <laughs> except except that he doesn't win on the varsity level as much as he could because he spends so much time having to teach these kids the basics by the time they get to varsity. Yeah. So um, maybe there's a little bit of that. I don't know. That's pure speculation on our part, but I think you might be right on that. And what's frustrating though is how we started this conversation was that they really are playing overall better. And to me, th- now that we've got uh, everyone re- reasonably healthy and the young pitchers are starting to roll a little bit, this is sort of the team that I thought we'd see a roughly 500 yeah, there's team. There's going to be bad days. You know, any young guys are going to struggle at times, but offensively, this is a pretty damn good team. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean there, are, are there spots where we, you know, where you'd like to see some changes? Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of that a little bit later. Sure. You know, and are, you know, is you know, are, are do we still have problems with how much Winker's playing? I know I do. <laughs> yeah. Or not playing. You know, you know what, when, when Adam Duvall's got more plate appearances than Jesse Winker, that's a that's a red flag. A huge red flag because Adam Duvall's hitting below the Mendoza line and has for more than 12 months. And, and, Bill, and honestly, Billy Hamilton's got more plate appearances than, than Jesse Winker. Now, you can make the argument about defense there, but. Hey, slow, slow your roll, man. I, slow your roll. Don't you be criticizing Billy Hamilton in my presence. Now, you know, you and Billy, I know you were twins separated at birth. <laughs> Just because we talk the same way. <laughs> but uh, we have the same accent. <laughs> that's that southern fact. Yeah, you got that Mississippi accent. I got the Virginia version. That's you know some uh, difference. But you know they're not doing anything to make this team ready to move on. I won't say not anything, but the, the outfield situation is a mess. Yes, yes, and then that is. We'll get, let's let's put stick a pin in that. We'll get into it in a moment. But but you're right okay. about the offense. You've got one, two, three, four, five. If you include Winker, probably six guys that are league average or better hitters. In that lineup, so you got uh, Peraza and Hamilton, really the only ones. If you if you switch Winker in for Duvall in the outfield, the rest of those guys, Barnhart's a, a little bit above average uh, hitter, fantastic defense, had another great season. Uh, yeah, Joey Votto's Joey Votto. Uh, you know. I tell you what, before you get off Tucker there for a minute, and I know I was ragging on him a minute ago. You were, but and that was one specific play. But I'll tell you what, you talk about a guy that's become a much better major league baseball player than I ever expected. Him I know. And I love it. I am so happy for him. And you can go back in the, you know, we said two, episode number 213. You can go back probably episode number 150 or 100 or somewhere back there. Several of those, you and I talking, hey, you know, Tucker Barnes is going to have a long major league career. He's going to be a backup the whole time, but he's likely to have a long major league career. Yeah, he's going to be a great defensive catcher, and they always, you know, and, and they always have a place in the big yeah. leagues. Turns out he's going to have a uh, long career, but a big portion of it is going to be as a starter. But then he'll he'll transition to a backup and play a lot of years. He'll be, you know, uh, David Ross light. Yeah, I mean, we aren't we weren't as wrong as, as Chris Welsh was talking about Joey Votto, but we were not <laughs> right. Yeah, we've mentioned that a few times. For our new <laughs> listeners, you want to uh, say what <laughs> Chris Welsh said about Votto back in the day? Chris and I were I was doing an interview with Chris one day, and this is when I think Joey was up, but he, he I think it was like in his second year or something. I, I would think. And second or third year, and he said, "Well, he's going to be a good hitter, but he's never going to be like a three, four, five guy. He's, you know, he's going to be a six, seven, eight hitter." Right? Okay. You know, yeah. What did I know? Yeah. He's, and apparently, at that about him, what did Chris know? Nothing. Uh, and Chris is. Uh, and, and to this day, I still give Chris hell every time I talk to him. <laughs> he's he's happy to have been wrong on that one, though. I'm sure. Yes, he is. Um, you know, uh, just looking through this, the lineup, Scott Schebler, you know, eight twenty OPS, one twenty OPS plus. I mean, Scott Schebler. Good hitter, and then of course Jeanette and Suarez are two of the best hitters in the world right now. So, I'll tell you what about Shebler too, and and I haven't looked up the numbers, and I'm sure this is on 
Fangraphs. But it seems like almost every ball he hits is a rocket. Oh, gosh, I mean, he yeah. just see, when I watch him, he seems to hit everything hard. I mean, it might be right at somebody, but boy, he seems like he hits the ball hard. He does, and I like him because he's also way more athletic than you would think. I mean, I, I think he's probably the third most athletic guy in this red starting lineup behind Parazza and Hamilton. I mean, he's, he's quick. He's not necessarily great defensively. But athletically, he runs base as well. He's really, he's fast. Yeah, I like Shebler, So Yeah, I, I, you, he's kind of won me over. I was not a big Shebler guy. Yeah. He, and and I, I've come around. He's shown this year why I've been saying for a couple of years, and, and last year for at least part of the year, it looked like I was completely wrong. But I was saying, give me, even though Duvall had the all-star year, give me Shebler over Duvall, uh, you know, going forward. He's uh, two years, for one thing, he's two years younger. Exactly. That, well, that was a big, you know, they they basically the same hitter there for a while, but Shebler was two years younger. So um, I tell you what, let's, uh, we're going to go through some of my, I, I laid out a blueprint this week in Cincinnati magazine of the seven ways to fix the reds before uh, opening day, 2019. But first we had a, a question on Twitter that I wanted to, uh, to answer. And I want to like, give you a chance to, to talk about it as well, Bill uh, Aaron at a Finney 2006. Aaron asked this question on the next podcast. Could you touch on the viability of Jose Peraza in center field if the Reds can move Billy Hamilton, trade Billy? Um, and uh, uh, he notes would allow Senzel to play short, Nick Senzel, of course, to play shortstop. Um, so uh, what do you think about uh, Jose Peraza in center field if they trade Billy Hamilton? Well, first, uh, what, what was the, the, the Twitter person's name? Aaron. Aaron, uh, you've just broken Chad's heart. I know. Trade Billy? Why would we trade the best player? I mean, you know, Chad would you know commit Harry Carey, or we'd have to talk him off a ledge. <laughs> Before we get any further, you have to admit, Bill Lack, I'd say I called you the smartest man alive a moment ago. You have to admit that Billy Hamilton is one of the three best Cincinnati Reds of the 2000s. No, I don't. What? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even going there. Anyway, can, moving I, on. Oh, no, we're not moving on. I can think of two players that are better than him since 2000. I can, get, I can think of two players on this team that are better than You're him. crazy. Get out of town with that nonsense. Adam Dunn, I'll concede, was better than Billy Hamilton. And also, <laughs> okay. the other guy was um, Luis Alberto Bonilla. You had to work that in, didn't I you? had to get you, man. I had to get it in there because you challenged me. Anyway. Moving on. Yeah. Barraza in center thing, field. I think if the Reds were going to trade, I think, well, I think they will trade Hamilton. I think somebody will want him near the trading deadline. I think, and I think his days as a starter will be over. But he can provide uh, value to a team coming off the bench and as a defense-leading defensive replacement. You know, why he's not running more, you know, when he gets on now, I don't understand. But um, that's a whole different question. Um my 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 cons- my biggest problem with the with 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 the the question is the um assumption that Senzel can play short. We don't know whether he can or not. And and the, and the Reds have made no real attempt to figure it out themselves. You know, he played a couple what he played a little bit there in spring training, then he just played there one night last week in one random and, night. And, and, and they said, "Well, that was just a one night thing." Well, then why do it? What's the point? <laughs> This team is and this is an argument. You know, this is something you and I have talked about off the air and and and, and you know back and forth. Is I, I'm really concerned that there is no plan. No plan. 
No plan. You know, if there was a plan, Senzel would have been if the, if the plan was for him to try to play shortstop when he went to Louisville, he'd have been playing shortstop. And I, I still don't know why he hasn't been playing shortstop. You know, and if and I'm assuming they didn't think he was ready when when Suarez got hurt. Get out of here. Or he'd have been up here. And I'm not saying I agree, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm trying to think what the Reds front office is thinking. If they believed he was ready, they would have had him up here. Uh, well, that was before the uh, the deadline to uh, you know he could get they could get that extra year team control. Right. So I, I well, I'm, I'm more cynical. Was, I'm more cynical. And, and, and you're right. And the other thing was they were playing so badly. Yeah. They were they were likely thinking, well, why blow that extra year just for now when they're ter- when they're playing terribly anyway? Yeah. Maybe. You know, one guy's not going to turn his team around. Maybe. Um, but Peraza in center, I, I, I mean, they moved Hamilton from shortstop to center, and Peraza's a much better shortstop than Hamilton ever was because I watched the whole season of Billy Hamilton at Dayton. Yeah. And uh, if you were behind first base, you wanted to be wearing a batting helmet. <laughs> All right. I mean, yeah. he could get any ball that was over there, he, you know, which is, as you can imagine. Right. But but my, my my I guess my problem with the premise of the question is we don't know whether short Stenzel can play shortstop. Well, right. I think that part of the question is is you know if if, if it's me, I have Senzel playing shortstop in AAA right now, and then I bring him up and let him play because why not? You know, you, you, you if he can't do it, move him move him back to second base when you move Scooter or or move Suarez to shortstop and Senzel back over to third. I, you know, there there are lots of different options here. Now, now well, since we're talking about this question, what do you think of the, the discussion of, of moving Jeanette to the outfield? Sure, why not? Why not try it? I mean, uh, the only the only argue, the other counter argument I heard with you know he's had he's been battling a sore shoulder. Yeah, I agree. And you wonder about you know, throwing. I agree, but you keep his bat in the lineup, and he's a he's a below average defender wherever you put him. He's going to have fewer time the fewer times when his arm is going to cause a problem for the Reds in right field than it does at second base. To me, how many throws does a right fielder make in a game that have any of any consequence? Right. Somebody's going to take an extra base occasionally. Okay, but you're already giving up. Defense with him at second base, he's the worst defensive second baseman in baseball. But you keep his bat in the lineup, and his bat has been amazing. So I would do would it. Tra- what would you do? With- I know you guys have beaten this to death, but let's talk about it a little bit more. Well, hold on, that's going to be number one on our list in just a moment. I want to finish. Oh, okay. Uh, on right. this, let me just make one more comment on this on Aaron's question. Okay. I don't have a problem. Parazza in center field if they if they, move, if they trade Billy. Um, I don't care if Billy is the center fielder for the next little bit. But something's got to give at either shortstop or center field, in my opinion. Um, and whoever's in center field, if they don't go out and get a center fielder, it could be Parazza, it could be Billy. I don't care who it is, but it's just a placeholder until Taylor Trammell can get here. Um, and that's something else I want to talk about later. So, But they've got to get a, a real major league hitter at either shortstop or center field, if not both. And it may be somebody that's not in the organization. If Parazza's playing center field, he's just a placeholder unless they get Manny Machado to play short or something or put Senzel there. And then, I, you know, give me Parazza or Billy in center field. I think either of them can handle it. I think Parazza would be a good defensive center fielder. I don't see any reason why not. So, um, I don't see any reason why Suarez couldn't move back to shortstop and move Senzel to third. Not me either. Me either. And, and again, it's a situation yeah. where they played Senzel at shortstop one night. They've played you know, the second half of last year. They said, oh, we're going to play Suarez more at shortstop the second half. And they did it just a little bit, not much. And he's played a little bit this year at the shortstop. But come on, what's your plan? You've got to have a plan to get the best prospect in baseball, who's also older than all the other top prospects that have been called up to baseball this year. You got to have a plan. So, yep. Anyway, I mean, that, go ahead. 
Uh, the, the, the Senzel thing just makes me crazy. Okay, we're going to talk about uh, that. You know, you, you, it was in the Enquirer. What was, what I, I texted you the day it was in there a couple of weeks ago, yeah. last week, where they said that he probably not, and now they're saying he probably won't be up till September. Are you kidding me? I mean, what is the point in waiting to, till September to bring this kid up? I wish someone from the Reds would sit down and talk to me and just explain to me, even off the record, what the plan is. Because I don't want it to be off the record because I want to know what they tell you. Yeah, I I see. But uh, anyway, Aaron, thanks for the question. Any of you have any other questions for us, you can email me, Chad at Red Leg Nation, or Chad Dotson at RedLegNation.com is the email address. Or you can uh, find me on Twitter at Dotson C or at Red Leg Nation. Just make sure you note that it's a uh, question for the podcast. Um, Okay, let's get into my piece for Cincinnati Magazine this week. was basically a blueprint for how, how the Reds can be somewhat competitive on opening day 2019. So what the, the scenario for over the next 10 months, what moves can the Reds make in order to best position themselves to be more competitive beginning next season? So seven specific recommendations. The first is what we got ready to talk about a moment ago. First thing the Reds have to do, they've got to make a decision on Scooter Jeanette's future. And, I, you know, you asked me a moment ago, what would I do? And what I said in the piece and what I say now is this is an incredibly difficult decision, and I don't envy the front office having to make this decision. I think there's good arguments on every side of the equation. Um, the Reds have to make a decision because that sort of needs to be the first domino to fall because that's going to dictate what they do elsewhere, where they put Senzel, you know, where, you know what things do. Are they going to keep him? If so, at what position? Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I'm always willing to take a stand on something. Here, it's hard for me to say well, what I would do with Scooter because I don't know what his value is on the trade market. If you can get a big haul for him, it's probably a good idea to trade him now. His value never could be higher. On the other hand, I'm starting to believe that he can uh, hit for a little bit if you can find a place to play him. You know, how much would it take to sign him to a you know four-year contract? I wouldn't go further than that, but so I, you know, the Reds have to answer those questions and then decide where does Scooter Jeanette fit. Because until they decide that, I don't think they can decide the rest of these things. What would you offer him for four years? Oh gosh. Well, I don't have enough money to pay him uh, in my personal bank account. Yeah, you do. You're a lawyer. Yeah, right. Um, would uh, I work for the government, buddy? Um, I, you know, I don't know how much would get it done. It's uh, hard to say now because, uh, you know, twenty-two million is that too much? Too little? I don't know because of the way the free agent market went this winter, I don't know what his value might be either on the trade market or on the free agent market. And uh, it's just—is uh, he? I forget where he is in his contract. I'm, I'm... I think he's got one more year after this one. One more arbitration Ar- year? Arbitration year. He's liable, liable to be paid quite a bit in that final arbitration year. So they could yes, not- he will. And they- so he, so it's 2020 is when, his wall, is when, he, when he can walk. Yeah, so they could buy out one arbitration year, and then, you know, if you go three free agent years, you know, he, there's a decent chance that he's, he's caused me to become a believer that he can be a contributor. Well, the other, thing is, the other thing is we've heard no talk that they're even talking to him about a contract. Well, there was a piece in the Athletic today. Actually, I think C. Trent Rosecrans had a piece in the Athletic that said, basically said, Scooter wants to sign a contract. He wants to start negotiating. It was kind of like he was negotiating through the press. He said that the uh, he went to the his agent went to the Reds in the off season, and they said, uh, "No, let's not talk now." They kind of wanted to wait and see. Right. And Scooter's basically like, "Okay, I'm proving to you that it wasn't a fluke. I'm ready to sign." Um. And he, you know, he said that he said all the right things, which is why he's a fan favorite. You know, this is the team I grew up liking. And you always want to play for the team you liked, and you know, I want to be here. And I think the fans like me. And you know, uh, it's a good situation. 
And uh, But now, he's also said in the past, he ain't giving us no hometown discount, so don't expect that. So I don't know what his value is, uh, you know. And I don't blame him for not giving a hometown discount if he thinks he can get paid elsewhere, but I just don't know. I I, I, uh, I think he's become a, a huge fan favorite here in a, in a, in a relatively short time. Um, but if, if I could, you know, and I don't know whether the Reds are talking to him or now, but if I couldn't have him signed by July 31st, I'd trade him. Mm, interesting. So you'd put a you'd put a time limit on the uh... absolutely because because if you get into the final year of his contract, the value drops so hugely. Okay. The here's the here's a, a devil's advocate view on that. Maybe in the off season after this season, there are more teams searching for a second baseman or a DH than there will be at the trade deadline. You expand the number of uh, possible trade partners. I don't or think, you run, or, or you run the risk of having him for one more year and trading him at a, at a reduced value. Yeah, or not trade him at all, uh, like happened with Zach Cozart. Yeah, and then they just walk. Yeah, but see, I, you know, I th- that good argument there. There's a good argument for signing him to a contract extension. Absolutely, they, like you said, this one works all the way around. Yeah, and, and no matter what you do, there's some portion of the fan base going to be pissed. Right, but also, no matter what you do, I think there's a great argument that it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. I, I don't disagree. I, I'm, I'm saying here I will not criticize what the Reds do here unless they sign him to a, you know an eight-year contract or something. But, or they trade him to get nothing. Or they trade him to get nothing. If they trade him like a Chapman deal. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I just assume keep him and let him walk and have him for the next yeah, exactly. year and a half. I mean, really, yeah. you know, there's more value to the Reds having him hit than, mm-hmm. you know, than in getting uh, – you know, uh, rookie Davis and, and, uh, funny speaking of, you know, the, the Jay How about Mike Trout, even up, <laughs> I would, tr- I would trade him for Mike Trout, even up, but I'd make the I angels mean, pay a little bit of Mike Trout's contract. Uh, well, yeah, well actually we'll even take the contract. Okay. We'll take the contract. I agree. <laughs> I don't mind spending Castellini's money. <laughs> That's right. Especially on the best player maybe in history. Um, maybe. I mean, I think that's where he's going what if he stays beast. healthy. Yeah, if he stays healthy. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine him being a Red? Wouldn't you, can you imagine getting to watch him every day? Well, we've, all, we've always talked about how much how lucky we are to get to watch Joey Votto every day, and I do believe that, and I still cherish watching him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Mike Trout's a whole different level. Joey Votto's great. Joey Votto's going to be a Hall of Famer, I think. Mike Trout mm-hmm. is, is literally, if he stays healthy, he's literally possibly the greatest player that ever played baseball. We're, yeah. we're, we're able to watch him right now. I mean, I was lucky growing up. I got to watch, you know, Bench and Morgan and Perez and Rose, and and, and it was amazing growing up getting to watch that. How special was it to watch Bill Plummer? Well, they kept Plummer around for the fights. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, and, the, and, the, and the big red machine would brawl with you. Yeah, oh, no doubt. It, it didn't take no crap. <laughs> Back to Scooter, I think what I would do, if I had to make a decision right now and all things being equal, I think I'd probably... I would put him in right field. No, probably left field. I'd put him in left field where his arm won't be as big a deal. And uh, for the rest of the season, see if they can uh, see if he can play it. If he can, let's see if we can sign him to a four-year extension in the offseason. If we can't, I'm actively trying to shop him as hard as I can at that point. But I think I try to sign him if I feel like he can play left field. Or if I feel like Suarez can move to short and you can leave Scooter at second. Um, but but that decision, what they do on him, at least the second thing in my blueprint, step two is get Nick Senzel to the majors pronto, which we've already discussed. 
He's got to be. In, he's got to be in the majors. And and I don't care if he's the everyday shortstop. I don't care if he's the everyday second baseman because you've moved Scooter to the outfield. I don't care if he's the everyday third baseman because you moved uh, Suarez to shortstop. Somebody asked me. I was whining on Twitter about it, him not being up. Somebody says, "Yeah, but where are you going to put him when he gets here?" And my answer was, "In the starting lineup." I don't care where. Get him Somewhere. here. Yeah. There's no better time for him. And, to be and wherever I play him, I want him playing there every day. I don't want to be moving him around. And right. But there's no better time for him to be learning about life in the big leagues and getting low pressure at bats against big league pitching than right now in, in, in a lost season. So they got to get him up here. Do you agree with that? Yep. I think it's overdue. Yeah, and we've really touched on that already, so no reason to go too much into that. Step number three in the plan, the blueprint to get the Reds competitive in 2018. For the rest of 2018, this season, give every start to the young pitchers in the organization. Every single start. Wait a minute now. You were a big fan of the Matt Harvey deal. Oh, I love me some Matt Harvey. You know his nickname is Batman. No, 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 no. That's Homer Bailey. Sorry. He's the Dark Knight. Uh, I actually, I, I will I will give the Reds another month. not an- what they call him, the people that I know him. <laughs> I will give the Reds another month to deal him. If they can get somebody to give something of value for him. But if he's not gone by the trade deadline, cut bait, get rid of him. You got to go with Di Sclafani, Castillo, Amali certainly, and I think Romano is is making a case to be there, and then spread out the rest of the starts among uh, you know Stevenson, Robert Stevenson, Cody Reed, all the, all those guys. Um, but you've got to figure out what you've got in the pitchers be- this year because you have to know by the time the off season gets here, how many pitchers do we need to go out and get to be competitive in 2019? So you're okay with that, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I, I am starting to get a little concerned about Castillo. His velocity's down a little. But, yeah, but uh, before we get to that, how many more starts would you give Harvey? Would you go right up to the trade deadline? Yeah, I'd go to the trade deadline. Or until it became 100% apparent to me that I wasn't going to be able I mean, to trade. He's done four, four pretty bad starts in a row. I think the damage you're doing is you're not giving, you know, four or five starts maybe to Robert Stevenson or Cody Reed or Brandon Finnegan, bringing him back, or, you know, Jose Lopez is pitching well in AAA. Um, that's that's what you're that's what you're losing. What you're ga- gaining is the, the opportunity cost of not getting anything for him, which is, uh, you know, if, if he does do something and somebody wants to take a chance on him at the trade deadline because they need a pitcher, and, they, you know, they, and it looks like he's coming out of it, I, I don't think we're going to get there. I think eventually they're just going to cut bait. Um, but I think I do give him to the trade deadline. But let me ask you this. The flip side of that is, what? how many four-letter words do, would you use if he's still in the red starting rotation at the end of September? Um, well, I was in the Navy, so, you know. <laughs> oh, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Um, I mean, and if, and if we're going to talk about things that they ought to talk, talk about doing, what do you do with baseball? Bailey goes to the bullpen, or Bailey goes home. Bailey can't pitch in a bullpen, and he won't pitch in a bullpen. He's made he's made that very apparent already. Well, then you know what I do? I designate him for assignment. There you go. I mean, you know, I love Homer Bailey. I've said lots of good things about him over the years. Um, it's just a bad luck that whole situation with his contract and, and him getting injured so much. But if he's not willing to go to the bullpen, or if he's a disaster in the bullpen. You just gotta cut him. You just gotta designate him for assignment and the money spent. Yeah, you're gonna pay that money anyway. 
whether you pitch him or not. That's a guy that's a similar situation. If you're pitching him, if you're starting him just because he's Homer Bailey and he's being paid a lot, those are starts that you can't give to someone else that might be a part of the next good Reds team. So if Matt Harvey or Homer Bailey get any starts in August, September, in July, well, I guess July, after the end of July, August or September, if either of those get any starts, it's going to be as big a disaster of a decision as signing Giovanni Gallardo early this year. Um, and it's going to be another sort of indication that the front office either is not serious about this rebuild or they're not competent. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case. I actually have a lot of respect for the guys in the front office. I, you know, I think Nick Crawl and Dick Williams are bright guys or they're analytically minded, but there's something funky going on in that front office. And well, there's decisions being made that, that, that are hard to understand. They are. They're on the outside. They're very difficult to understand. And, and especially having talked to Nick Crawl and talked to Dick Williams just a little bit on each, not really uh, much, but, but you can tell they're not clueless. You know, they, they sort of, they talk the talk. So I don't know what's going well, on in that front office. Maybe it says part, part, and, and, and when did, and this is kind of not really the same thing, but kind of part of it. When did players start telling the teams what their role was going to be? It's been going on Cincinnati for the last few years. But, but I, I, it's not just Cincinnati. I mean, it happens everywhere. I guess. We just hear it more here. Yeah, no, I don't notice it other places. But, you know, the, 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 the Garrett thing. You know, and we can chase them all the way back to Chapman. Same thing, yeah. I, I think that's I a situation know. where Amir Garrett thought he'd be in the big leagues all year if he were a reliever. And if he had to start, he'd probably have to go back down to Louisville. And he wanted to be in the big leagues. And I don't blame a 26-year-old for wanting that. But you can't let the 26-year-old make that decision when you're running a billion-dollar corporation. Right. Your job is to build a winner, not to make Amir Garrett happy. Oh, yeah. And I heard uh, some some talk, some scuttle, that uh, part of the I think it was Marty Brenneman talking about it actually. On it wasn't scuttle, but I think it was Marty and uh, maybe John Fay talking on the radio the other day. Or maybe talking Mark Mike uh, Mark Sheldon. I can't remember which one of the writers it was, but uh, and they were saying that they they think part of the reason why Scooter's not been moved to the outfield or Nick Senzel's not getting uh, outfield at bats or why Adam Duvall's still getting uh, so many opportunities is because they don't want to hurt Adam Duvall's feelings. That's literally what they said. It's a billion dollar corporation. I mean, I hope that's not true. I mean, I just, I I don't know. Marty sometimes says things that you don't know. Um, Although he did write a great forward to this new book that's out. It's called the big 50, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds. I heard it's out selling the Bible. Oh man. You can get it at every bookstore on earth, especially (laughs) ones in the Cincinnati area. Um, All of them. And everywhere online. Okay, so back to the blueprint for fixing the Reds, or at least making them more competitive by opening day 2019. Uh, number one was, uh, was uh, what was number one? Make a decision on Scooter Jeanette's future. Number two, get Nick. Nick Senzel. Thank you. Easy for me You're to welcome. say. Get Nick Senzel to the majors pronto. Number three, for the rest of 2018, give every start to young pitchers in the organization. Number four, you're going to like this one, Bill Lack. Trade or bench Billy Hamilton and Adam Duvall? One or the, one or the other. We've already talked about that. I mean, we, we've already talked about it. They are what they are. Yep. And it's painful for me to say about Billy. When he does Billy things, he's the most exciting player in baseball. He's likable. You know, he works hard. All that can be said for Adam Duvall too. But they, you know, they're not going to get better. You know what? Though? Everybody, you always hear that about. 
almost every player. He works hard. Do we really know that that's true? Well, there have been multiple reports of Billy. I, you know, I, I don't have any reason to believe that. I'm, I'm not saying, I, and I'm not saying, I, I, and please don't think I'm picking on Billy Hamilton here. I'm not. You always pick but, on Billy Hamilton. But but that but that's the generic thing you hear about every guy. Oh, he he really works hard. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that's that's exactly I what I hear. That's true or not? Uh, that's know? true. That's true. I'm not the ball yard. <laughs> anyway. They won't let me in the ball yard before before games. I think they'll want to suit up and shag flies during batting practice. Oh, definitely. They might want to sign me to play uh, right field. I can do it better than Jesse Winker. Where's the drum roll or the uh, uh, rim shot? Rim shots, yeah. Um, okay, so there you go. I th- I, you know, basically, what that says is right now, Jesse Winker and Scott Shelburne need to be playing every single day. You know, we got to find out what they are, and uh, those are the only two in this four-man mix that have a chance of being with the, with the next good Reds team. And so maybe maybe you throw Scooter into that mix this year, and, and Shelburne's your center fielder. Right? It's, you're gonna be rough defensively, but yeah, you know, what are they gonna do? Not make the playoffs this year? Already there. We've got to get those guys at bats. Got to get rid of I don't know if you get, Hamilton and Duvall have any value. If they don't, either one could be a great fourth outfielder. So yep. either way, bench him or trade him. Oh, and, 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 you know, we talked about Hamilton having late game value. Sure. And, and that could be for the Reds. I don't have a problem with that. Yep. All right, number five in the uh, rebuilding plan. Seven-step plan to rebuild your organization. Push the youngsters through the system much more quickly. Been really frustrated this year. If you watch what the Atlanta Braves have done, they kind of super- yeah. They got a bunch of young guys up here really playing well. Yeah, they supercharged their rebuild by pushing their top prospects to the majors. They got like four guys younger than Nick Senzel in their starting lineup. Have you talked to Doug about this? A little bit, yeah. He, you know, he he doesn't necessarily agree with me one hundred percent, but he sees the point. I see a lot of these guys. I think Shed Long got no business being still in Double A. I think Taylor Tremell's got no business being in Single A. These guys, you got to push them, get Sinzel up. Uh, you know, be aggressive. Yeah, unless they've been held back by injuries, you got to push them up. I, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, T- Tyler Stevenson now, I think, is uh, you know he's been put, held back by injuries, but he's shown now that he can hit it Single A. Get him up. Tony Santion is a pitcher. This just. I don't know. I just don't see the the downside of pushing some of these guys a little quick, more quickly and challenging them a little bit. And if they can't handle well, the Reds, always, they have all and and this is historically as long as I can remember, they've seemed to bring guys along slowly. Other than uh, the only one I can think they hurried up to the big leagues was Bailey. All right, but uh, you know Joey Votto, almost twenty five when he when he came up. I mean, uh, and this is a Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, know. but I'm not sure that's a valid point because. No. I, I mean, think he, was, he, he didn't. He didn't catch the world on. He was a good minor league player, but I'm getting ready to look here. Yeah, look I don't at, remember him being a great minor league player. Look at his last couple of years before he came up. He was ready. He was ready. So I think the Reds need to push the youngsters. While you're looking at that, I'm going to go into number six. Okay. And this is one where uh, most people are like, "Come on, the Reds aren't going to do this." Number six in the in, in the plan to get the Reds back into contention by opening day of 2019. Trade for us one starting pitcher and sign another one in free agency. Two starting pitchers, average or better starting pitchers. I just think that the Reds uh, have some depth in the minors. One of the best minor leagues in baseball by a lot of accounts. And it's time to start using some of those assets to get players that can help the big league club. So let's dangle some of that depth, or let's uh, let's offer Rosell Iglesias or Scooter Jeanette out there to acquire at least one of these pitchers, and then open the checkbook, to convince another sort of youngish, or average, or better starter to join the club in the offseason. That's where that's where the one that has me hee hawing at you. Yeah, 
Because I mean, it's historically this team's never done that. And if they if they refuse to do it, I'm going to be seriously upset about how about their seriousness because they will not be serious about being a major league team if they refuse to do. I mean, I don't want them to go out and sign some 37 year old to a five year right uh, pitcher to a contract, but there's somebody I mean, out there. Who's, who's there? the biggest free agent the Reds have ever signed? Parker. Dave Parker, probably. Um, Jared Hughes? No, probably not Jared Hughes. Well, if that if that's the, the biggest free agent <laughs> signing ever, what does that tell you? I know, right? No, really. I mean, um, but the Reds have, have to. We have to have an infusion of talent, and a lot of the other teams, like the Cubs, the Astros, did something similar where they gathered all these assets, and then when they're ready to compete, they go out and target specific positions to help you know, fill in the gaps. One of the gaps that the Reds are going to have, it's obvious at this point, is going to be a starting pitcher. Uh, I, mean, I don't care. Trade for two. I think they need to be very serious about trading for one, both on the trade market and in the free agency market, however they can. What to you're get saying there. is they need to have two veteran good pitchers next spring, you know, no, yeah, no matter how they get them. Right, and not necessarily veteran, quote-unquote, but but two guys that um, you can count on to be here the next four or five years and uh, or at least I hope that they will be, and that are average or better. And I think you do that, it just shores up. If, then after that, if Discofani can remain healthy for a year, all of a sudden, and with these young guys, enough of them will pan out to really make it a, a strength of the team. And I think that's really important. Um, so I, I, I think we've got to trade some of these guys. I don't mind them. I don't necessarily want them to trade Roselli Glacius, and I don't necessarily think they have to, but I think he could probably bring back a pretty big haul. And if they could get, especially at the trade deadline, a starter, a young starter for him. I think he got to do it. I think he got to do it. Did you find anything about Joey Votto? Did you ever find? Oh, in two thousand five, he was in High A, and he had a seven fifty four OPS. Okay, he only hit two fifty six. That's in the Florida State League, where it's it's a it's a pitching strong league. Okay. When he and he was twenty one. When two thousand six, he was twenty two. He tore up Double A. He, looked, he played there all year, 836 games, and he had a 956 OPS. And then good. he spent the next year, the vast majority of the year, and he looks like he was a September call-up. Yep, he was that year. And, and he had an 859 OPS in AAA. So, you know, you could argue that his double-A year he should have got picked. I would argue that he was a, a half a season to a full season late getting up. I think at least a full season, but – he was certainly late, and, and there was a good interview with him in the offseason where he, he said, you know, he was mad about it. He got over when you're hitting When your OPS is 956, you shouldn't have spent the whole year at that at that level. No, that's exactly what we're talking about with some of these other guys. You know, uh, Shed Long yeah. and, uh, and Taylor Trammell. Uh, push him. And, uh, and you, know, you know why Votto, they held Votto back, don't you? You know who the uh, immortal first baseman the Reds had that they uh, couldn't bear to part with back then was? Do you remember? Who, oh, um, who Joey Votto replaced? I can't. I, I, you, once you say it, I'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, the immortal Scott Hatterberg. That's it, Scott Hatterberg. Who was a pretty good player. I mean, I liked Scott Hatterberg. But... And he played. He gave the Reds a good year or so. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got, no, I got no issues with Scott Hatterberg, except that, you know, he really shouldn't have been keeping the man down. Okay, so we've gone through the top uh, six of my uh, blueprint. Let's run through them again before we get to the last one on – Reds being competitive in 2019, make a decision on Scooter Jeanette, 
get Nixon's out of the majors, give every start the rest of this year to young pitchers, trade or bench Billy Hamilton and Adam Duvall, push the youngsters through the system much more quickly, uh, which includes, you know, a guy like Shed Long needs to be a September call-up this year. Um, and let, he, let him be in the competition for a major league spot somewhere next year. Maybe he can play center field. Um, trade for a starting pitcher, sign another one in free agency, and then finally, finally, find a shortstop and or a center fielder before opening day 2019. We've talked about this already a little bit, but I don't know if it's somebody in, internally or externally. They have to find a shortstop and or a center fielder before next year because they can't go into next season with both those positions being offensive black holes so i'm sure you disagree with me no i don't disagree at all um i I, i'm kind of surprised you didn't touch on the coaching staff and the the managers positions well i don't know how important that's going to be um maybe it is but it's hard for me to gauge how much a manager does you know i don't see jim ruggleman is irritating me just as much as brian price did but they're playing. Yep. They're playing a little bit better. I think they were. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced that Riggleman's why they're playing better. No, I, we said it uh, when he, when Price was fired. They're going to start playing better, and Riggleman's going to get the credit. But they were bound to start playing better under Price too. Just a you know regression to the I mean. Riggleman's Riggleman. The other night I was watching, and, and I, I you know I watched the game and Peraza's leading off, and I'm like, there's four guys in that lineup that should be leading off before Peraza is. They had six guys with the on base percentages above 340 the other night. I think Peraza was in second that night. And 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 yeah, don't 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 tell and, me. And, and the bunting just makes me absolutely crazy. Oh gosh, uh, he is absolutely bunt crazy. Could could you see the Reds do this though? They play roughly five hundred the rest of the season, and so the Reds uh, sign Riggleman, hand the team over to Riggleman. Two I don't contract. think so. I don't think so I either. But but you know I don't know they've done so many things. A friend, that... a friend of mine, I was at the ball. I was at the game the other night. I'm now I'm one and zero on the season. Just to let everybody know. <laughs> um, and, and I asked him flat out, and, and this is somebody that's a, a season ticket holder. And uh, I said, "Who's the Reds manager next year on opening day?" And he goes, "I have no freaking idea." I don't but he know. said, "But the, what I think he said he thinks they need to clean house other than Billy Hamill, other than uh, Billy Hatcher." And I didn't even think about this. He said both the, the the coaches that they brought up when they fired Price are both over sixty five years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that makes a lot of sense on a on your you know a, a, a really young team and you're trying to build a winner and blah blah blah. Well, they I can't believe that they're gonna uh, you know relate to these younger guys. Now maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do because maybe most of you know they've probably seen them. At other places in the in the in the you know in the you know in, in the organization, I, I don't know if they'll get rid of Billy Hatcher, um, even though he's got to be one of the worst third base. I, I love the old guy; he's had a great career at the Reds. Ah, he's a terrible third base, um, but he's just not a good third oh. base coach. Uh, let him be your bench coach or something. But uh, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to bring Riggleman back. I can't see that they would do that. But they've done so many curious things lately that I don't understand. That I'm not going to yep. say definitely not. Um, I, I agree. I think they need to just bring in a whole new staff, um, and it needs to Girardi. be it needs to be a staff that well, okay, it, whoever it is needs to be people who are comfortable with analytics and comfortable uh, taking the recommendations in terms of shifts and all the things that the teams are doing these days. And it's not sort of an old school guy. It's kind of that's open minded, and 
you know, I, so I don't know who that will be. I, I don't either. Everybody wants to say Barry Larkin. I don't want them to hire Barry Larkin only because I don't want – he's my favorite player of all time probably, and I don't want to see everybody hate him because everybody hates every Reds manager eventually except for Sparky. Well, you, Sparky. You're, you're, you know, even Sparky Anderson got fired here. Right. So, all right. So well, and that and the fact that just the fact that he's Barry Larkin doesn't mean he's going to be a good manager. Right. I mean, we know that he's Barry Larkin. We know he was a smart player. We know just from hearing people talk to him, and he's actually been on the podcast with us once. Smart guy. I don't have any doubts about that. Intellectually, he can handle the position, but we don't know if he's a good manager of men. And I think so much of what a manager does is what happens when we can't see what's going on yep. uh, in, in the clubhouse. And, um, you know, we we can judge them on what they do when they're in the dugout. But uh, before that gets there, the other, you know, 21 hours of the day, we just don't know. So, um, so anyway, that's the way to fix them. I don't know if they will because, uh, again, Bob Castellini promised not to rest until we're happy back when he first bought the team. And uh, none of us are happy, so I don't know if they're going to be making me uh, happy. But I, I don't know. I can see the Reds playing 500 the rest of the year because that's sort of the team I thought the Reds had this year. Yep. I, was, I was very loud about that before opening day. So I think they could do that, and I think if they make these these moves, it will show they're serious. And I do think that that could get them, you know, at least in the mix next year. And I'm not talking about World Series, but I think, you know, it's an above 500 team that has some uh, some young guys all over the field and some real upside. And I think a fun team to watch. Well, the, the other thing that concerns me is – since the Castellini crew took over this, they've made the fan experience a thousand times better at the ballpark than it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. But my concern is that they're not paying as much attention to putting a winning product on the field. And, you know, and, and you hear, you know, some, not from, not really from the team, but you hear local grumbling about attendance and blah, blah, blah. You know what solves the attendance problem? Winning. Exactly. You won't have if they're winning. You wouldn't have to have twenty-seven uh, bobblehead nights to, to to fill the ballpark. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be full every night, but I'm saying you know your attendance goes up dramatically if they win. Well, uh, attendance is worse this year than it's been at any time in Castellini's uh, reign of terror, and um, and that's despite the fact that they've done better a better job than anyone in improving the ballpark experience. I think that's the one place the Reds have really hit a home run. Every year they're, they're improving that ballpark, and I love Great American Ballpark. Great place to watch a game. Great place to spend an evening. But you're right. They can do all that they want. It's not going to get people in the stands. No. Only, only winning will do that. Nobody goes down there because they can get craft beer. <laughs> right, right. Now, while they're there, if they can get craft beer, they're really thrilled with that. They're happy with that. Exactly. You know, and that you can get Skyline or blah, blah, blah. But what gets you in the ballpark is you're gonna, you got a chance of seeing a winning ball club. Yeah, yeah. So um, they've got they've got to, at some point, I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and say it um, because I've been really on board uh, with a lot of things they've done. If they don't very clearly and very publicly make moves, make a big splash, in the off season or starting at the trade deadline, but all through the, through the next off season to really drastically improve this club. You know, I'm not going to say I'm done, but uh, you know, I, I just, I will, they will have lost me in terms of believing that the current group 
is uh, is serious about trying to put a winning product on the field, or that they're uh, well. In some this is what you said this past offseason. I said they should have done it. Yeah, that's exactly right. I still, I'm so disappointed. That they, I think they should have done it last offseason because look at this team. It may be a 500 team by and large, but they didn't go out and improve it at all, and they didn't even. Uh, get enough depth to be able to withstand some injuries early in the season. That's how thin this roster is. Um, and, and that's, that's really all I'm asking is to do what I told you to do last year. Why don't they ever listen to me, Bill? They don't know you. That's why. Actually, that's not even true. They do know you. <laughs> no, if they if, if they really knew me, they definitely wouldn't listen to me. Um, <laughs> if they really knew you, they wouldn't take your calls. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. As you, as you well know, I'm surprised you're still taking my calls, Bill. <laughs> Anytime, my friend. All right. Well, it's always good talking to you. Anything else you think we need to touch on before we uh, wrap it up here? I, I got I to gotta send something out to, for the, the old-time members who might be interested in. Congratulations to Matt Klinker and his wife. They're get, expecting their second baby. Outstanding. And for those of you that have been with us for, uh, you know, we started this podcast in 2007. Um, and it uh, wasn't always regular back then, but it was as regular as we could do it. And uh, Matt Klinker was what we called one of our spotlight players back in the day, for those of you that had been around Red Lake Nation for a while. And he gave us so much time. He came on the podcast a lot and was always just really you know, awesome in terms of answering our questions. He made it up to AAA for the Reds and had a really nice little career and, and then went on to do other things, and I think he's living a really happy life. So congratulations to Matt. Great kid, right? Yeah, um, he's a super guy. And, I mean, you know, Tucker Barnhart was a spotlight guy. Uh, Devin Mezzarocco was a spotlight mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun little uh, project we did for a little while. And, th- and those guys, I think of guys like Clinker and guys like uh, Logan Parker, if you remember him, and, and guys yep. like, like uh, uh, Tucker and Mezzarocco who gave us their time. when they didn't have to you know, fool some two-bit website and podcast, but they did. They gave us their time, and um, I'm eternally grateful for that. And uh would love can, to- I tell a quick, can I tell a quick clinker story before we get off? Yeah, absolutely. He was he was pitching at Sarasota, and we were going down there on vacation, and we were flying in the day he pitched. So we dumped our stuff at the house we were renting and headed to the ballpark. And Matt was starting the first game. I think it was I think it was a doubleheader because it started really early. But anyway, we got there, and it wasn't Matt's night. And I think he lasted four innings, and I think he got hit with three comebackers. I mean, just racked him. Whack, whack, whack. And I had left my phone in my car for some reason. And by the time I got to the car, I had a text from Matt, and he said, nothing hurt but my ego. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. What a guy. Yeah, wish yeah. him nothing but the best. He's down in Texas now, right? Yep, lives in Houston. Yeah. Good kid. Best to you, Matt Clinker. Um Anything else we need to talk about here, Bill? We've sort of beaten this one to death, I think. I think it's time to go. I think so, too. Hey, uh, we're only at an hour, though, so, I mean, we're not doing bad. This is actually one of the uh, shorter pockets <laughs> you and I have had because, as you know, we can we can get going and then always a good time talking to you. Uh, this is Red Lake Nation Radio, episode number 213. Thank you very much for downloading and listening. If, you've, uh, if you're just listening to it through the redlegnation.com, I uh, appreciate you listening to us. But go to, go to iTunes, to Stitch, or wherever you can uh, get your podcast and d- subscribe. It's free. You'll get it to our podcast live in the feed, usually a few hours ahead, of, if not a full day ahead of when it's posted on the website. So you get it quicker than everyone else, and you get a chance to listen to our ramblings sooner than everyone else. You better can, informed than your neighbors. Exactly. That's And that's all you can ask. We're going to make you better informed than the average Reds fan. Uh, RedLegNation.com, as I said, we've been writing out the Reds every single day since 2005, and for some reason still doing that. 
Um, RedLegNationRadio.com has all of our podcasts all the way back to 2007. You can get that. Um, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, well, not Facebook, I guess. Well, RedLegNation Nation's on Facebook, and we're at RedLegNation yep. on Twitter. Um, follow us at each of those places. We're on Instagram as well, if you like that. And uh, had some fun last night with the Red Lake Nation Instagram uh, tweet, uh, Instagramming, I guess you'd call it, posting some pictures from my uh, visit to uh, the new Reds Rookie League franchise, the Greenville Reds. Didn't get to talk with them a lot tonight, but I had a really good time there with that franchise and uh, really excited for what they're going to do, even though they lost 11 to nothing against the Bristol Pirates. 11 to nothing? Well, that was even worse than opening day when they lost 10 to 2. So they're they're down 21 to 2 on the season so far, but... Uh, but they got a gorgeous stadium and uh, some good players there, and hopefully uh, they're hoping that Jonathan India, first-rounder of the Reds, gets there once his college season is over. Um, subscribe. Tell people about us. If you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Bill, always a great time talking to you, buddy. Let's do it again soon. You too, my friend. For Bill Lack and Lisalberto Bonilla, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.